your sharing with that message and uh, what a great, great joy. And thank you, choir, for uh, your sharing with that and Pam for your leadership. Thank you, thank you. You know, it has it has been a a long time. It's been two weeks, and uh, last week when Connie sent the message out that there wasn't going to be church, I was kind of like, oh shucks. <laughs> But it's great to be back, and uh, praise the Lord, He brought us through it. And uh, and two weeks ago, New Year's Eve, we talked about resolutions and and, uh, New Year and and kind of setting a a focus for it. And in a a similar vein, but in light of of communion and and what that means to us, I want us to to look again as we're planning, or not again, but continue, as we're planning for 2018, what it's going to look like, what are we going to do what are we going to focus on? I think really it, it's an individual question that impacts an entire church and impacts the entire church, the, the bigger church, not just one local body. But I, I had a meeting this week, several of us, and there was a, a man from another part of the state, and he made this comment. He was talking about his city. And he said, you know, 85% of the churches are plateaued or declining. And then his, his premise and what his focus was, he said, so we need to plant new churches to reach unreached people groups. He's talking mostly about international community. And one of the things that struck me as, as he talked and, and then as some of us talked later, uh, and I agree wholeheartedly with what he wanted to do in reaching international communities and, and planting new churches to reach groups we haven't impacted. But for the 85% of, of churches, and I asked this question of him, I said, okay, what are you going to do for the 85% that are plateaued or declining? You're not going to just leave them, are you? And, and he kind of looked at me. That wasn't the point of that meeting. That was a church planting meeting, really. I think there's a message that's powerful for me, and, and I, I believe it will be for Conway Baptist Church and for every one of us here about that. And it's, it's in the gospel, and, it's, and then later on through several. But Matthew chapter 4, when we look at the call of the first four disciples and kind of what they went through, we see a picture, I think, of the modern church in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting an net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. James, the son of Zeb, and uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Bow with me together as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for your word, and God, as we see ourselves, maybe in Peter and Andrew and James and John. And what you did in their lives. God, help us to surrender to you just as much as they did and just as completely as they did. And God, may we bring to you just as much glory as they did. And we'll do it not because of who we are, but because of who you are. God, we surrender to you now. 
as we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this scripture, we've got four guys, or really five Zebedees there, and we don't know who else was there, but there were at least that many. And they're out there doing their normal tasks. They're, they're going about their, their daily occupation and business. And they probably weren't really expecting somebody to show up who was going to change their life. I'm sure Zebedee wasn't expecting someone to show up who was going to completely overturn his business. He lost his sons to the business in that moment. So you know he didn't get up that morning thinking, well, by nightfall I'm going to be looking for other people to fish with me because my boys are going to be gone. So they didn't expect that. But what happened that day and then what happened afterwards, I think is a picture a lot of times of 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 what happens in in our lives. First of all, Jesus is walking by the sea. He sees them. Verse 19, he said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So for you and me, and when we look at 2018 and where we're going, we've got to go back to where we started. It's like they they tell the story, I don't know if it's true or not, but but back 50 years ago, Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers had lost the Super Bowl, and, and the next... Uh, spring practice, he showed up and he said, I'm going to get back to the basics. He said, men, this is a football. And he started with that and teaching them how to block and tackle and run. And they were expecting advanced things. And he no, we got to get back to the basics. Well, for you and me, as followers of Christ, we've got to get back to the basics. And step number one for these folks, but also for you and me, was number one was hearing his voice. I had to hear him. Jesus is walking by. Now, he could have walked right on by and, and they not heard him and nothing would have changed. So step number one was, was hearing Jesus speaking when he said, follow me. And he was telling them to follow him. He wasn't telling them just come on or, or hey, there's something interesting. His call was follow me. And they had to make a decision right then and there. Follow him or not follow him. So he said, follow me. So step number one is to follow. Now following is an active thing. Following's not one step. Uh, Tim and I were talking about this morning in, in Sunday school, after Sunday school. Following's not one step. Following is a bunch of them. If I ask you and you're, we're going to go out and eat lunch or something, and I say, hey, folks, follow me, and you take one step, guess what? I'm eating by myself because you're not following. Following is a journey. And there's step after step after step, and he's following these, he's calling these fishermen. He's not saying, all right, guys, take a step from where you are. He said, follow me. That's an ongoing process. That first step was to, to leave the boat and leave their father. That's step number one. But he's saying follow. So for you and for me, when Jesus Christ first called us, he called us to follow him. The steps that I take in a day and the steps that you take in a day ought to be the steps that are anointed by God. We're following him. But a second thing that happened that first day is he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He, he cast a vision for them. Hey, you're, you're catching fish now. That's not what you're going to do when you follow me. You're going to catch men. Your focus is going to be people, 
not fish. So he's changing their focus. The same thing happened for you and me. Now, you may not have left a job. You may not have left a family. But the focus did change. Because then your job becomes a platform through which you can bring glory to God. It's not your purpose in life. It's your platform. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But then the the third thing that happened is they had to make a decision. As we read here, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Same thing's repeated a couple of verses later with James and John. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John had to make a decision and they had to act on it. When Jesus Christ called you and me, it's not enough to just hear. It's not enough to just see the vision for what God wants. We've actually got to act on it. We've actually got to follow. We've got to do something about it. Understanding with our minds is an important part of it. But these guys got their feet out of the boat and the feet followed the footsteps of Jesus and that was where their following started. The next few years of their lives were were incredible years and and they saw a lot of things happen. They had had mountaintops and, and they had valleys. And think about some of the mountaintops they had. One of the first miracles was Jesus turned water into wine. People wondered, hey, what's going to happen here? And he, he did a physical miracle. They saw people who were, 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 couldn't speak to speak. They saw people who couldn't walk and had never been able to walk, get up and walk. They saw Lazarus who was dead for days, leave a tomb. They saw Jesus come walking across the sea and they heard him say to a raging sea that was about to tear up their boat, peace be still. Some of them even saw him up on a mountaintop and, and shining with the glory of God and said, hey, we need to build some some." tabernacles we need to build some some houses some places to stay let's just stay right here they had mountaintops but they also had valleys jesus even told them on the mountaintop the the mount of transfiguration told peter no we don't live here we've got to go back down into the valley so they lived a life where people were constantly questioning now, you think at work maybe or at school that somebody's always questioning you? Jesus had an absolute herd of people nipping at his heels and trying to trick him and trip him up everywhere he went. He had lawyers trying to fool him. He had religious leaders trying to trap him in the, in the religious law. He had doubters saying, saying he came from Satan. He, he's the son of God. And there were people who said, you're really Satan. 
They saw people attack him and run him out of town and take him to the edge of a cliff once and were going to throw him off. And Now he walked right through them, but they, they, they tried to throw him off. But eventually they saw him killed. So they had some valleys. But even after the valleys, they had another mountaintop of sorts when they were in the upper room scared and Jesus appeared in the upper room before them and he said to them, showed them his hands inside and he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you peace be with you. So mountaintops and valleys. Life happens. We go through life. You've had mountaintops and you've had valleys. And it seems like what happened to Peter and Andrew and James and John, they had that first call. They saw the face of Jesus. They left everything to follow Him. They really did. For years they followed Him through thick and thin. And then when you flip over to John chapter 21, is after these things Jesus showed Himself to them again at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, sons of Zebedee, two others were together, and Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you also. They went out immediately and got into the boat. And I won't read the last phrase of that verse yet. These men who had left everything to follow Him got to a point in their spiritual lives after the resurrection. When Peter said to his buddies, Hey, go and fishing. Now remember the original call. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But at this moment, Peter's not a fisher of men. He's a fisher of fish. Which is fine, Connie and a lot of you fish. There's nothing wrong with fishing for fish. But what Peter had done in that moment after the resurrection, he had lost sight of what Jesus Christ called him to do. He was just doing life. He fell back to what was comfortable, to what he knew how to do. He didn't know what else to do. He probably in his mind and heart thinking, okay, Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. What do I do now? That, that may have been what was going through his mind. This wasn't necessarily rebellion. Well, folks in the church today, a lot of times, haven't we lost sight of what Jesus Christ called us to do and to be? We're not necessarily doing bad things. It's good stuff. Sometimes. And we can point fingers at the church. But it's you and me. This, this is individual. Am I doing what Jesus Christ called me to do? Are you doing what Jesus Christ called you to do? Now, they, they're going, so they've gone fishing. The end of verse 3. They got into the boat that night and they caught nothing. That's not the first time that happened to them. But when morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not know it was Jesus. And He said to them, 
Children, have you any food? They answered him, no. That's about how fishermen, when you're walking by them and they fish, caught anything? No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now they fished all night. You think they hadn't already thrown it on the right side? He gave them a specific command and he said, trust me in this. Cast it on the right side. So you're going back to the original call. They had to act on what he told them to do. Cast it on the right side. They could have sat in the boat and said, we already did that. Now come on. But they cast it on the right side. They cast, and this is verse 6, so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. See, there isn't anything wrong with going fishing for fish. Jesus gave them fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far out. And I won't read the entire passage, but, but, but they had 200 cubits to go. And they had over 150 fish. Breaking the net, about to sink the little boat. And they get to the seashore. Jesus already got a fire prepared. He's already got bread and fish on the fire before they bring in fish. He didn't need their fish. But he served them breakfast. And then the end of that story is Jesus and Peter walking on the beach. They're at the sea again. Walking on the seashore again. And three different times Jesus says to Peter... Do you love me? Three different times, Peter says, of course I do, in in different ways. And three different times, in different ways, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now, he's calling Peter right back to where they started. When he first started, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And now this is three years later and all that stuff has happened. And Jesus is saying to him, Peter, the people, my sheep, feed my sheep. Folks, that would be Jesus' message for our church today. Don't overcomplicate it with all the things that we don't know how to do. You know, if you're an agricultural person like Peter was, a fisherman and, and in a farming community, feed my sheep. All right, you know how to feed sheep? Do it. In our world today, and we're going to celebrate communion in, in just a couple of minutes. In our world today, Jesus is saying the same thing to you and me. Look out at the world. Do you love me? Well, then feed my sheep. Go out to the people that you work with and offer them the bread of life. Go out to the people who are hungering and who are 
thirsting for something that satisfies and give them the living water. Feed my sheep. The journey of a disciple isn't a one-step journey. It's a life journey. And what an exciting journey. You know, Peter, in, in this exchange, Jesus says, Oh, Peter, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go, and you did what you wanted to do. But the time's coming when you're an older man. It isn't going to be like that. They're going to bind you, and they're going to take you where they want you to go. You're, you're not going to be free. And it sure happened. But surrender is when we give up everything and say, Lord, I'll go wherever you send me. It's not any longer about my choice, it's about yours. That's following. We've said before, I I shared a few weeks back, you can't follow and lead at the same time. So we've got to choose, are we going to be a follower of Jesus Christ or are we going to be a leader of life? Now, we can lead people Like Paul said many, many times in his writings, he said to the churches, imitate me like I imitate Christ. So yeah, Paul was a leader in the human sense, but he understood who the leader was. Paul was a follower, and he was really saying, hey guys, follow with me. That's a spiritual leader, a servant leader. Follow with me. You know, it's, it's interesting That in our world, with all the technology we've got, and you know, I can, I can pull out my smartphone. I can theoretically find out about anything I want to know. Now, it may or may not be true, you know, but I can find out information on whatever. Put it in. I, uh, the other day, I wanted to know how to do something on my computer. Had I had a an email list on my my Google Mail, and I wanted to pull it out and put it on on a spreadsheet, and it wasn't working. When I did it, it was just all garbled. It was it was gobbledygook. It, you couldn't do anything with it. So I asked one of the young ladies, I said, Kaylin, can you help me do this? And she just, she said, sure I can. She didn't know how to do it any more than I knew how to do it. And so what she did is Googled it and said, how do you do it? And so there was a video, told you how to do it, and we did it. And so you can find out, again, theoretically, you can find out anything you want to do, want to know. With all of the information in our world, what I'm afraid we've done as followers of Christ is we've said to people, now, we want you to learn this stuff. You need to learn all the stuff, and you need to get it all right, and that's the essence of being a Christian. Oh, yeah, you are going to learn stuff. God's going to teach you every day. But what Jesus called us to be is not scholars. And I'm I'm not saying don't be a scholar. He called us to be followers. As a follower... Absolutely, God raises up scholars who teach us and and they're absolutely indispensable to us. But it doesn't matter how much I know if I'm not following Jesus Christ. Then instead of being wise, I'm really just a wise guy. A follower is someone who says to Jesus Christ, you show me what my next step is and I'll take it.
Folks, that's transformational. That's different. So no, it's not saying you can't go fishing. It's not saying that you know not to be a, a teacher or a student or, or all of the different things or an office worker, whatever it is your occupation. Absolutely, we do all of those things to the best of our ability to bring glory to God. Not ourselves, but God. Peter followed him day after day after day, and he kind of lost sight. But at the end, when Jesus brought him back to it and said, Peter, your life isn't always going to be roses going forward. There's going to be some tough days. Feed my sheep. Peter did it, and he laid down his life. He saw as many miracles after this as he saw before. When his own shadow fell on somebody and healed him. Oh my goodness. He saw the power of God. You can see it in your life. We can see it in the church. It takes surrender. Bow with me please as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Thankful for who you are. Thankful for what you do and, and for your call in our lives. Uh, God, you've, you've got great things in store for us in the coming weeks and months, and we can only imagine what they are. We often are guilty of thinking when we follow you that it's just it's all going to be bad. We're going to give up everything we love and everything that's important. God, remind us that following you is not like that. That if we do sacrifice things, you're going to put things in their place that we love even better. God, give us courage to follow you. And as you bring person after person after person into the orbit of Conway Baptist Church and the people of this church, and God, we see you changing lives and, and we see every single day your glory and your power we just want to point back to you and praise you because we understand just like the disciples didn't catch fish that day because they were all that great at fishing, they caught it because they obeyed you. As our church sings, sees things happen, God, it'll be because of you, not because of us. So we want to obey you and cast our net on the right side of the boat too. Help us here. Understand and obey as we offer this prayer in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we're going to have our deacons are going to come forward. This is our time for uh, communion, and uh, from the scripture, you remember quite well the night of a, a normal meal, Passover meal. And they were gathered together and they had the elements on the table and they were eating and sharing, and Jesus took two of them, the wine and the bread, and He gave them a completely different meaning. He transformed that night, and He told them that night that as often as they did it, we did it, to do it in remembrance of Him.